I'm excited about this series. Did you notice when you walked in all the campuses, at least I hope in all the campuses, we've got all that we're trying to make sure that you feel like this sense of being surrounded. These are some of the people that are listed in Hebrews chapter 11. And over the next three weeks and starting today, we want to look at what I call the Hall of Fame. And, and we're going to look at these different characters. We're not going to have time to talk about them all. But today, I want to introduce you to Noah and I'll close out with Noah, but I want to introduce the series. It's a three-week series, and it's called We Are Surrounded. Hebrews chapter 11, no, chapter 12. It says, therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, everybody say, we're surrounded. Let us throw off everything that hinders. Let us throw off, why would we throw off everything that hinders? Because we're surrounded by a cloud of witnesses. Let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin, watch this, I love this, that so easily entangles. Now, when I read that, I think to myself, ain't that the truth? Sin can so easily entangle you. It can so easily, yeah, I get shocked to find the things I find myself thinking sometimes. Anybody else? I go, I can't believe I just thought that. Or maybe sometimes, you know, the Bible talks about, you know, what is anything that's not of faith is sin. And so I don't know what you're thinking of when we say sin that easily entangles you, but I want to tell you, it's so easy to get caught up in living a life that is not faith. And it goes, and so easily entangles, and let us run with perseverance. I love the distinction there. It says, let us run with perseverance. It's not a sprint. It's a marathon. It's not a 100-yard dash. Amen? It's a marathon. Let us run with perseverance. Watch this. The, uh, the race that is marked out for us. You've got to run your race. I've got to run my race. My race is not your race. But let us run the race that is marked out for us. I love this here. Fixing our eyes on Jesus. I love it because what it's saying is, that we are surrounded by a cloud of witnesses, yet we're to fix our eyes on Jesus, who is the author, the perfecter, and the finisher of our faith. So the Bible's telling us whoever wrote Hebrews, I don't know who wrote Hebrews. I do think Paul had an influence in at least some of the writing of the book of Hebrews. You'll hear me occasionally say, Paul, as the writer of Hebrews. I don't know if he was the solo author. I certainly don't think he was. And there's good reason to think that he wasn't the solo author. But I do think he had an involvement in writing of some of Hebrews. Okay? So if I say Paul, don't all your theologians don't quote me and tell me it wasn't Paul. I know it probably wasn't only him anyway. Praise the Lord. Look what it says here. Now in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1, we're going to go back a chapter and we're going to look at who's in this cloud of witnesses, because Hebrews 11 is the Hall of Fame. Hebrews 12 is talking about who's in the Hall of Fame, and they are now surrounding us in a cloud of witnesses, not the cloud where you upload all your data. This is the cloud that is in heaven. It says, now faith is the confidence, is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. This is what the ancients were commended for. And now we're going to read down through this list 
And here the writer of Hebrews is going to actually list out who's in the cloud of witnesses. Let me, let me introduce you to them. Is that okay? I'm going to give you a well, I'm going to show you who he's referring to. So first of all, he lists Abel. And he goes, Abel brought God. He's in this cloud. He's in heaven. And, he, and what is he doing? He's witnessing to you and I. And, and what he's doing is he's trying to tell you, come on, you can live a life of faith. And he's there. And if you'll listen and if you'll pay attention, our eyes are fixed on Jesus, but there are people who've gone before us who accomplish great things by faith. And when you're finding it difficult because so sin so easily entangles you, you can actually let the cloud of witnesses speak to you and tell you, come on, you can run your race. You can finish well. You're not just going to be a good starter. You can live a life of faith. Somebody say amen. So what was, what was the distinction of Abel? Abel brought God a better offering than Cain. Now, I know some of us be very uncomfortable to think that God takes note of our offerings and God goes, well, that offering is better than that person's offering. But that's what he did. God took note of the offering and it says, by faith, Abel brought to God a better offering than Cain. And look at this, by faith, Abel still speaks even though he's dead. Well, how's that? He's in the cloud of witnesses, and he's trying to encourage you and I, let's make sure we do our very best when it comes to our giving. Let's make sure we don't give God our leftovers. Let's give God an offering that is pleasing and actually a sweet aroma to him. Don't give God an offering that stinks. Come on, somebody. Okay, then it goes, Enoch. Enoch walked with God, and he was no more. And he was commended as one who pleased God. If you read on in the next verse, it says, because without faith, it's impossible to please God. And the Bible talks about Enoch. Think about how cool Enoch is. Enoch was so close with God that God couldn't stand it anymore, leaving him on earth. And the Bible says God just went, that's it. You're going straight to heaven. You're not going to die. I'm going to bring you up in bodily form, and I'm bringing you straight into heaven. He walked with God, and he was no more. God went, just come up here. Why? Because he pleased God. I want to tell you that in the cloud of witnesses, you might think it's hard to please God, but Enoch walked with God, and he was no more. He pleased God. How did he do it? By faith. This is the hall of fame. Look at the next person, Noah. We're gonna talk about him in just a moment. Noah, when warned about the things not yet seen, built an ark to save his family. Built an ark to save his family. Can you all write that down if you're taking notes? Built an ark to save his family. That's where I wanna finish up today's message. Building an ark to save your family. Look at the next one, Abraham. Abraham called to go to a place where he would later receive as his inheritance. He obeyed and went. You ever felt like God called you to go somewhere, do something, and you're thinking, I don't know if I can do it? Well, how did he do it? He went to a place, listen to this, that he would later receive as his inheritance, obeyed and went. Even though he didn't know where he was going, 
He took his sons Isaac and Jacob, who were heirs with them in the same promise, his wife Sarah, past childbearing age, whose bodies were as good as dead, became uh, came descendants as numerous as the stars and as countless as the sand on the seashore. By faith, Abraham, when, tested, when God tested him, offered Isaac as a sacrifice. Abraham reasoned that God would even be able to raise Isaac from the dead. You ever felt like God was asking too much? You ever felt, God, this is too hard. This is too much. Well, I want to tell you, you need to look to Abraham in the cloud of witnesses. And when God said, give me your son, your only son, it says, Abraham said, I'll do it, God. I'll offer him because I know that even you are able to raise him from the dead. There was no mention of resurrection before this. There was no resurrection. But Abraham said, God, I so love you. I so trust you. And God was testing him. And he lived by faith. What about Isaac? I love this one. Isaac, by faith, blessed Jacob and Esau in regard to their future. I'm actually studying that in my own personal devotional time right now, and it's an amazing piece of history in the history of the book of Genesis. Or what about this one? Joseph, when the end was near, spoke about the exodus of the, um, sorry, spoke about the exodus of the Israelites from Egypt and gave instructions about where he wanted these bones to be buried. And how did he do it? By faith. Moses, when he grew up, refused to be known as the sons of Pharaoh's daughter, as the son rather of Pharaoh's daughter. He chose to be, listen to this, mistreated. He chose, I'll put up with the persecution of the world because I will align myself with the people of Israel. He said, I'm willing to pay the price. I don't want to be known as the son of Pharaoh's daughter. I would rather be known as as an Israelite. I want to tell you, when you're a Christian and you're looking at today's world and the pressure that's on the church to change its theology, to come more watered down and insipid because the persecution of the world on people who believe the Bible and the wisdom and the knowledge of God and believe that actually marriage is between a man and a woman, no matter what the world says, I believe the Bible. I believe marriage is right. I believe marriage is God's idea. And I don't care what the world says, I will choose to be mistreated rather than compromise the wisdom of the Word of God. Come on, somebody say amen. He chose to be mistreated along with the people of God rather than enjoying fleeting pleasures of sin. By faith, he kept the Passover and the application of the blood so the destroyer of the firstborn would not touch the firstborn of Israel. I love this. By faith, he led Israel through the Red Sea, but when the Egyptians tried the cross, they were drowned. All that happened by faith. My friends, we are surrounded by some people who've lived an amazing life of faith. And I wanna tell you, when you look at these people, I wanna make sure you're aware of who's up there and who's cheering you on because it's a Colosseum. It's like they're there, they've gone before us and we're running our race. 
They're in the cloud of witnesses, and they're watching you run your race, and they're still speaking today, even though they are dead. They are alive forevermore, and they're saying, come on, you can do this. Look at this one. Joshua, by faith. I love this. I love it. By faith, the walls of Jericho fell. The army marched around them seven days. I got to tell you, and then listen to whoever wrote Hebrews. He goes, what am I to say? What, what else is there to say? I don't have time to talk about Gideon. What shall I say? Barak, what shall I say? Samson, what shall I say? Jephthah, what shall I say? David, I mean David. And David gets an honorable mention, but he doesn't give any distinction about David. What shall I say? Samuel? Samuel, the great prophet of the Old Testament. What shall I say? And then he goes about Rahab. By faith, Rahab, the prostitute, because she welcomed the spies, was not killed with the disobedient. I want to tell you, God can use a prostitute. She realized the Israelites are coming. She realized they are powerful. God is with them. And when these 12 spies came into the house, she lied to everybody and said, I don't know where they are. And she was protecting them. And because she did that, because she saw that the people of God were coming, she knew that the God of heaven, the God of Israel was with them. And she protected them and preserved their lives. And God says, I can use a woman like that. And I want to tell you, God can use all of us. Somebody say amen. Or what about this one? This is just who's in the Hall of Fame. This is who they are. I'm reading to you who's listed here. And it goes, women who receive back their dead. I think about the Shunammite woman. The Bible says she was a well-to-do woman. And it says here that when she, when she went to, uh, when Elisha said, you're going to have a son in your old age, and even though you're barren, God's going to give you a miracle. And I love it because she, when everybody said the boy had died after she did have miraculously a son, and the boy grew up, but then he got a bad headache, and everybody said the boy died. Even the father said the boy's dead. But I want to tell you, this woman didn't believe what everybody else was saying. Because if he's dead, you'd begin a process of grief. You'd begin a process of preparing for a funeral. She didn't believe the boy was dead, even though the boy was dead. She didn't put him in the boy's bed. She didn't put the boy in her bed. She put the boy in the prophet Elisha's bed. And when the husband said, why are you going to Elisha? Your son is dead. She said, Everything is well. And then when she goes before Gehazi, the servant of Elisha, Gehazi says, how are you? Is everything okay? Her boy, her son, is laying dead in the prophet's bed. And she says to Gehazi, everything is well. What have you got to say when you feel like something's died? And then she goes before Elisha, and there she pours out her heart, and Elisha comes and raises the boy from the dead. These are people in the Old Testament believing for resurrection power. Church, we are surrounded 
by a cloud of witnesses who were saying, if you're going to live your life, you've got to live it by faith. Come on, somebody give the Lord a real hand. And listen to what the writer of Hebrews says, who through faith conquered kingdoms, administered justice. I'm praying for that in today's world. Gained what was promised. Shut the mouth of lions. Quenched the fury of flames. Escaped the edge of the sword, whose weakness was turned to strength, who became powerful in battle and routed foreign armies, who were tortured. Look, some escaped the sword and some were tortured. How'd they do it? By faith. I'm living by faith. See, sometimes you'll escape the sword and sometimes you might be tortured. We don't understand that in today's world living here in the United States. Our version of torture and torment and persecution is so low scale compared to what's happening around the world right now to Christians who are dying because of their faith. Come on, somebody. I love this here. It says, refusing to be released that they might obtain a better resurrection. Hey, they were going, yeah, no, we we don't want to be released. We don't want to be set free because we realize if we live this life of faith and this actually ends up costing us our lives, we'll get even a better resurrection. I got to tell you, that's some faith right there, church. How many want to live that kind of life of faith? I'm not so sure I got my hand up. Some face jeers and floggings, even chains of imprisonment. Listen to this. They were put to death by stoning. They were so sawn in two. They were killed by the sword. And I love what the, he says here. The world was not worthy of them. They were all commended for their faith. This is who's in the cloud. This is who's surrounding us. This is telling you and me we can live a life of faith. We can live out our lives, and they are there, gone on before us to testify and to encourage. Come on. And I love what it says as it closes out this thing. Yet none of them had received what had been promised. Do you realize that all these people, they never actually saw the completion of everything that God promised. Every one of them died in faith, not yet having received the promise. Think about Abraham. He did, you don't realize today that on, you and I, that we are of the seed and we're of the faith and we're of the promise of Abraham. Abraham, what he saw when God said, go outside and count the stars because that'll be the number of your offspring, he's talking about us. We're part of that promise. He died not having seen us, but he's seeing us now from the cloud and he's seeing us more numerous than the sand on the seashore. Can you go to your grave believing that God could perform something even after you're gone? Because God said, let there be light. I don't know how old the earth is. If you're a literal account person of the generations from Genesis to today, the earth, according to those statistics and generations and age, is about six to 8,000 years years old. If you're a gap theorist, the world could be millions of years old because they believe there's a gap in Genesis. In the beginning, God, it says, created the heavens and the earth. Bang, gap. Then God created man. And there are people who believe that in that statement of Genesis, there is a huge gap between when God created the earth and when he created mankind. 
So whether you're a gap theorist, whether you're a literal account, I, Mark doesn't agree with me, but Mark and I always love to joke about it. I personally think the earth is as old as the generations. I personally lean in that direction. I don't care. Really, all, you, all that matters is we believe God created it. Amen? And so here's the thing. God said six or 8,000 years ago or millions of years ago, would there be life? That's all he said. And do you realize, ever since God said that, the sun has been turning up. One spoken word from God. And I want to tell you, it is sustaining. It will last. The sun's not going, are we good? Are you happy? Want me to keep shining? No. God spoke it. He will perform what he speaks in Jesus' name. Come on, somebody give the Lord a hand. I guess what I'm trying to say is if God promised you something, just look at the sun. God just said, let there be light. It's still happening. And if God promised you something, no matter how dark it looks, look at the sun and realize when God speaks something, he will perform it. He is faithful. Can you say amen? How do we do it? We're surrounded by the cloud. And all I want to do in my last few moments here is talk to you about who is in the cloud. And I want to bring out of the cloud up there, if I could rip open heaven, and if I could open this roof and open the skies and we could see into the supernatural realm, if we could see beyond the three-dimensional world in which we live, I want to tell you that world is more real than this world. That world is eternal. This world will pass away. Amen? That's forever. But if I could just pull open the skies and I want to pull one of them out of the cloud and I want to talk to you about Noah. But I want to look at this for a moment. And did you notice when we read through that, there's a theme of all these people who live by faith? Did you pick up there was a bit of a theme? There was a bit of a reoccurring theme? And when you read it and you actually do a bit of a study on it, here's the thing that's the theme. You see, there's a theme of family. Listen to those people. Every one of them were not just living for themselves, but they were thinking about the generations to come. There's a theme of faith. There's a theme of future generations. There's a theme of blessing. There's a theme, listen to this, of a generational mindset. There's a theme of trust God. There's a, there's a theme of resist sin, no matter how pleasurable or how convenient. There's a theme, trust God for the impossible. There's a theme of trust God for the invisible. Are you, can you see it? Just on what we've already read already. God is faithful and he's powerful and he keeps his promises. Come on. So let us fix our eyes on Jesus, who is the author and the finisher of our faith. I want to talk to you for a moment. I think about our life. I'm Sharon, I've been a, I've been, uh, a Christian for 40 let me see, I'm 60, I gave my life when I was 17, 43 years. I've been an ordained minister for 40 years. I know I don't look that old. Thank you for that laugh. And I, I've been preaching the gospel for 40 years. And I've got to tell you something, sometimes in today's 
culture, I see people get disillusioned by other Christians. And they walk away from their faith because how someone shouldn't have behaved. Are you hearing me? See, look at me. You got your eyes on the people in the cloud. Your eyes should be fixed on Jesus. And I think about my, my, I've only been a part of three churches in 43 years. The church I got saved in, I was in that church for 10 years, 10 of the best years of my life. I, w- I had the privilege of speaking in, a, in Hillsong Church on the Gold Coast. Those of you who are watching anything about media will see that Hillsong Church has undergone a lot of attack from the media. It's been nothing short of demonic. It's awful that the world hates the church. It doesn't shock me. Are you hearing me? But I get what, what, what disappoints me is when we get disillusioned by man's humanity. Did you hear that? When we get, see, I love the Bible. God doesn't hide our humanity. Are you hearing me? I mean, Noah, who we're going to talk about, got blind drunk. That's not a good day. But if you just saw the, instruction, the destruction of the entire world, I'm thinking that might be a day I might just give you a pass on that day. Are you hearing me? Uh, you know, you think about Abraham. He, he lied and he told his wife to lie. And he was impatient and slept with another woman trying to bring about the promise because God was slow in doing the promise. He was imperfect. He was impatient. It was God asked impossible things of him. I love the fact that God doesn't hide our humanity. And I want to encourage you, in 43 years of being a Christian, I thank God in the early years, in the grounding of my faith, we had people in our lives, when we saw people be less than all that they should be, they said to us, Steve, your eyes are on Jesus. Never put your eyes on a man. Church, look at me. Never hold me on some pedestal. Pray for me. I am a human just like everybody else. Don't put people on pedestals because when you do that, I want to tell you, your eyes are on the wrong thing. Let us fix our eyes on Jesus. Come on, somebody say amen. Amen. Give the Lord a hand. So come on down, Noah. Let's have a look at you for a moment. Because we're surrounded by these people. But let's get Noah. The, The name Noah, I don't know if you know this, it literally means comfort or rest. His grandfather was Methuselah the guy who was the man who lived the longest in the whole Bible. I don't know if you know this, but he's, sorry, that was his, that was his grandfather, Methuselah. His great-grandfather was Enoch. You know, the guy that so, God so loved, he went, get up here, okay? Noah was born, listen to this, approximately, this is staggering. Noah was born, because this is Genesis 5, if you don't know, or Genesis 6, the account of Noah. And so Noah was born approximately 200 years after the death of Adam. 200 years after the death of Adam. Adam lived a really long time. And Noah, I want you to think about how soon after God created the earth that he ended up destroying it with a flood. And Noah lived to about 100 and, sorry, Noah rather, it took him 120 years to build this ark. You want to talk about longevity? 
You want to talk about sustainability? You want to, I, I often think, I mean, this guy, whatever, he worked the ground. The Bible tells us that he had to learn how to work the ground again after the, after the flood. But for 120 years of his life, he was a boat builder. But the funny thing about that was there was no such thing as water. Like rain never existed. God watered the ground by, by what came up under the earth. It had never rained till this moment, ever. And Noah's going around telling everybody, hey, everybody, it's going to rain. I'm building an ark. And nobody believed him. Nobody would listen to him. Do you ever feel like sometimes everything you're saying is falling on deaf ears when you're trying to tell something, invite someone to church? I want to tell you, look up to Noah. And he's going to say, they didn't believe me, but it rained. Come on, somebody. Matter of fact, look what Peter says about Noah. This is interesting. Peter says, if he did not spare the ancient world when he brought the flood on the ungodly people, but protected Noah, watch, a preacher of righteousness and seven others. Who were the seven others? Noah's wife and his kids. It says Noah was a preacher of righteousness. So no doubt Noah was proclaiming as he was building Hey, everybody, God's had enough with your wickedness. God's fed up. Well, what does the Lord say? What was God's problem? Come with me to Genesis chapter 6 and verse 5. The Lord saw how great the wickedness of the human race had become on the earth, that every inclination of the thoughts of the human heart was only evil all the time. And I got to tell you, I see what's happening in today's world. And I'm thinking, we're living in Noah's day. I, I'm telling you, we are living in a day that God spoke about in Noah. Well, that's interesting you should say that because look what Jesus said, we'll know when the end time's up. Matthew 24, as it was in the days of Noah, so it will be in the coming of the Son of Man. For in the days before the flood, people were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage, up till the day Noah entered the ark. It says they knew nothing about what that would happen until the flood came and took them all away. This is how it will be on the coming of the Son of Man. So it talks about as it was in the days of Noah. Well, what was it like in the days of Noah? Man's thoughts and heart was continually vile, wicked, godless thoughts and imaginations sounds a lot like the world we live in today. Come on, church. We got to be able to say that right is right and wrong is wrong. Not because of what I think, but because of what the Word of God says. Can you say amen? But it also says they were shocked when it rained. And it, it just took them, they went, oh, but Noah was a preacher of righteousness. And yet they didn't believe Noah. Why? Because they were just busy going about their life, doing whatever they wanted to. Matter of fact, the Bible says everybody did what was right in their own eyes. No fear of God, no restraint of God, no awareness of sin, no conscience. As it was in the days of Noah, they were shocked. Oh my gosh, who would have thought this would have happened? I want to tell you, that's what it'll be like when Jesus comes back again. The world will be shocked when he comes again. Oh my gosh, who would have thought he's coming back again? I want to tell you, he's coming back. 
We live in similar days. Reckless abandonment of God's word and God's will. Then Jesus will return to a people who will be caught, listen to me, unknowing, as it was in the days of Noah. They were taken away and didn't realize what was happening. I want to tell you, we live in those days. Come on, somebody say amen. Every imagination of the thoughts of their hearts was continually evil all the time. See, there's a few things I see. Number one, sinners hate the wisdom of God. Come on, somebody. And I want to tell you, the world today is hostile. But I'm wanting to do something today. I'm wanting to draw your attention to who's in the cloud. And I want to encourage you to keep your faith. I want to encourage you to keep on being a preacher of righteousness. I want to encourage you to keep your eyes fixed on Jesus. I want to encourage you, don't give in to the culture of this world. Let's not bow. Let's not give in to the gods of this world. Let's keep being faithful to the promises of God because sinners will always hate God's wisdom. Number two, the thing that I see that happened in Noah's day is that people didn't want to listen. And I'm telling you, that's today. People just don't want to hear it. Don't tell me about God. Don't tell me about sin. Don't tell me about Jesus. I don't want to hear it. There's a lot of other stuff they're willing to listen to. But they don't want to listen to that. Come on, somebody. Number three, they were just too busy living their own lives. If ever I hear over and over again, when somebody says, man, I love to go to church, but I'm just too busy. I work six days a week, five days a week. I only get the weekends off. The, the Bible says they were eating and drinking and marrying and giving in marriage. And in the middle of all that, listen to this, only Noah prepared him for himself for the coming flood. Only Noah prepared for himself for the coming flood. I want to encourage you, church, look at me. You may feel like you're different. You may feel like you don't fit in. You may feel like you don't belong sometimes on this earth. You may feel like everything I think is so paradoxically different to everything the world says, but you keep building your ark. Come on. You keep your testimony. You keep your faith. You get your eyes up on here, on Jesus, who was the author and the finisher of her faith. And I love it because this is a line that Robert quotes all the time. Noah built an ark for the saving of his family. And I want to close today by telling you, the church, look at me. I know I'm speaking to all campuses. And I'm going to be a little strong for a moment. And I'm not going to apologize for the strength of what I'm going to say. But I want to tell you, you better be intentional about building an ark to save your family. Because I want to tell you, the world is after your family. The world is after them, and it will pollute their mind. And we have got to build an ark to keep our family's faith from the toxic poison of today's world in the way in which it's thinking. How do we build an ark? By seeing to it that we are in church, and we are in the house of God, and we are in the Word of God. That's what an ark is. You're building an ark. That seat right now, this building right now is an ark. It's for the saving of your family. And we get into the house of God and faith comes by hearing and hearing from the word of God and you're strengthened in your faith and you're empowered in your faith and you realize the world will never understand us. 
How do you build an ark? You better be aware of what your children are looking at on digital media. Oh, it's okay. You're saving your family. When you put filters on your kids, when you put limitations on how much you let your children watch different things and how much digital device time they get, you are building an ark for the saving your family. I'm telling you, we can so easily just give our kids over to the world and so easily not be aware of the dangers that are out there on social media and we will allow them because all their friends are doing it. But I wanna tell you, you get your eyes up here on the cloud of witnesses and you are building an ark for the saving of your family. And you might say, you gotta teach your kids. I know everybody else is different at doing it, but we're different. We're Christians. We love God. We are in the world and we are not of the world and I'm gonna love you and I'm gonna parent you and you need to trust I'm doing what's best for you now. I don't want your mind being polluted. I am here to protect you in Jesus' name. To think that we can allow children to have gender uh, surgery at young ages, I'm thinking the world has lost It's mind that is child abuse and it's parents and educated people saying it's okay. You build an ark. How do you build an ark? You pay attention to your kids' friends are. And if your kids have more friends that are outside the church than inside the church, it is imbalanced. I'm not saying they shouldn't have friends outside the church, but you build an ark. Come on. Abraham was willing to lay his son on an altar and sacrifice his son to God, trusting that God could even raise him from the dead. Too often in the church today, we put our children on the altar of digital media and we sacrifice them to a worldly mindset and we're not even aware of how much the world is polluting their minds. We are sacrificing our kids. And I know I'm strong on this. I wish I could be stronger. When I raise my kids, my kids are now in their 30s. I think, how old Sam? Who cares, Josh said. 29, okay, I thought he was. Who cares? Spoken like a true brother. They're not facing the challenges the children are facing today. But the challenge they faced in their day, I was there. And I still think I could have done more to protect them from what's out there in the world. Here's what I see. I know you're not gonna like me for this, but it's okay. And I don't want you to misunderstand what I'm saying. I love, when I, I, was, I was committed to setting my kids up for success. The academic success, I want it for them. Athletic success, I was jealous for them. I, I wanted them to excel in their character, in their knowledge, in their faith. I wanted them to, Alyssa was part of a cheerleading group at Norfolk Christian that went down to Florida and that school and her cheerleading squad won the national championship for all the private schools. 
I was there. I want to tell you, that took some effort as pastors of a church. When your daughter is in a cheerleading squad that can go to the nationals and win it. That means you're driving your daughter to practice and, and over in Norfolk, I might add, not just down the road. And then we also saw to it that all of our kids were in community group. Why? Because we're building an ark for the saving of our family. And I'm telling you, some people say, Steve, you got great kids. They all love God. Man, what did you do? I don't think some of you will be willing to pay the price we paid. Because we made sure they were in community group. We made sure Josh soccer practice, Sam soccer practice, extracurricular activities. We did it all, but we always made sure we're building an ark for the saving of our family. And I want to tell you, it's never too late. You might go, I wish I'd known this when my kids were younger, but they're all raised. It's never too late. Come on, somebody. And I see parents chasing and jealous for the success of their children. And they post on Instagram, my sons did this, and I'll be the first to cheer. My daughter accomplished this. I'll be the first to say, well done. But sometimes I go, where are those kids? They're not in the youth group. That's an ark. For the saving of your family. Come on, very quiet in here. I knew you wouldn't like me. I told you, I warned you, didn't I? The greatest gift Noah ever gave his family was his faith. And listen to what the Bible says. He condemned the world. And I'll close with this, my time is gone. He condemned the world. Noah condemned the world. Not, this is me saying it now. Not by his words or the pointing of a finger but by his example of faith. It says he condemned the world by his faith. It convicted them. And I want to encourage you and I today, let's stay true to our faith. Not in the pointing of a finger, and not in words, because some Christians love to do that, condemn the world in a negative way. But just by the example that we're in the world, we're just not of it. Can you say amen? I'm not doing that. I'm a Christian. I live by faith. And I'm building an ark for the saving of my family. If somebody receives the word today, give the Lord a hand.